Hey, TK Show is sponsored by South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, Northern California's number one volume dealer. Check them out at SouthCountyChryslerJeepDodge.net or drive a little and save a lot in friendly Gilroy. Coming to you from the San Jose Mercury News, the Bay Area News Group, it's the TK Show. Now here's your host, Tim Kawakami. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show. For our number two edition of the show this week, we're coming at you with, with multiple episodes. Always good when we do that. Very happy to have on my guest. We'll just consider this extended office hours for the <laughs> man with most famous office hours in Bay Area sports. That's new A's president, David Cavill, also the president of the Earthquakes, probably president of five other things I haven't listed yet, but uh, president of all things in the Bay Area. David, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Good to have you on. Well, well I mentioned the office hours. Uh, certainly, a lot of people showed up. You, you announced your first A's president office hours. You're going to do this what once a week for sure, a couple hours once a week. How did that? Yeah, we do it. Yeah, we do it every Tuesday, and it's a great way to connect with the fans and get a lot of really cool ideas and you know ideas to improve the Coliseum, ideas on the ballpark, ideas on players. Uh, it's it's really been a great way with the earthquakes because I've done it in the past and now with the athletics. So this the idea to move FanFest back to Jack London Square really did come from a, somebody who who you met at office hours. Well, what happened was we were we were thinking about potentially okay. moving it. Okay. But we we weren't all the way there, and we were kind of like having internal debates about it. But then we had several people come into the office hours talking about back in '99 when it was at Jack London Square, and it was a great event, and it was free. And, and so, you know, we got a lot of that feedback. We're like, you know what? I think it's the right decision. Let's pull the trigger. And so that's the nice thing about the interaction with the fans is that it helps form, um, you know, or help the decision-making process in a lot of these areas. And in this case, we moved FanFest to Jack London, and uh, we made it free. And I think it's going to be a wonderful event for the community. So you didn't go to the winter meetings, obviously, that was this week. Uh, do you... No, I didn't go. Yeah. The whole, obviously, baseball operations team, uh, Billy Bean, David Forrest, you know, the whole crew, they went back to Washington, D.C. But I had so much going on with the ballpark development and getting up to speed here uh, that it just didn't make sense this year. Just just describe to me what the hierarchy is. I mean, maybe you've answered this question. Is it is it you reporting directly to John Fisher and everyone reporting to you, or do Billy and, and, and the baseball operations kind of go off on a separate branch here? Uh, you know, we've always had a model where the managing partner has, you know, the whole baseball operations report into them mm -hmm. uh, through Billy and the whole business you know, through the team president, now me reporting to him. So that's the same structure. So we haven't changed anything. Um, it's the same as it was in the past. And uh, we think that's a good model uh, for success, both on the business side and the baseball side. And one person that, that we talk a lot about, and, and I certainly haven't met him. I, I don't know much about him. I hear people who have met him is John Fisher, the, the, the principal owner now. Uh, you, he's obviously brought you in. You've known him for a while, uh, worked with him, obviously, with the earthquakes. What's what's John Fisher like? What's his what's on his mind right now? When he hires you, what does he say he wants out of this? Well, you know, I I've been working with John for the last six years, and we have a great working relationship. Um, you know, we're really proud of what we developed with the Earthquakes and Avaya Stadium, and I think more than anything, we want to recreate that here in Oakland. 
uh, with a new ballpark for the athletics, um, such a storied franchise with so much history in the Bay Area, and just in baseball, all the way back to Kansas City and Philadelphia. And so I think the most important thing is to learn from what we did right and wrong at Avaya and with the Quakes and apply that to this case in a way um, to create an awesome urban ballpark here in Oakland. And that's really the shared vision and something that, you know, I wake up every day dedicated to accomplishing. So what's John like? I mean, as a boss, as a person, what's he like? Well, I mean, I think the shared passion around baseball, you know, obviously I'm someone who grew up around the sport. I started a baseball league. I went to all 30 ballparks in 38 days. Um, you know, that's, I think, the core at anyone involved in the game. And, and that passion carries forward into community and how the community interacts with your ball club. And that's what we really want to do here, have a new focus and energy around that in Oakland. You're not only here at the Coliseum as is, but obviously with the new ballpark long term. You know, we want to improve both now and our future kind of trajectory and get things on the right path. And I think that's, that's the shared feeling and something that you know, hopefully fans uh, will appreciate and resonate as we make the decisions and earn trust with folks on a day-to-day basis. Is this a, is this a, a matter of your report, reporting into him every day, multiple times a day? It's like, oh, here's what they said at the, at the, uh, at the office hours, and here's some ideas. Is, is it that frequent where you have these discussions with him? Well, you know, right now there's a lot of meetings and discussions around the ballpark. Um, a lot of work is being done um, on everything from transit to parking to the viability of different locations, to soil studies, you know, all these kind of things are happening at different sites in Oakland. And there's just a lot of work to be done in that area because, you know, choosing a site for a stadium is, you know, once a generational opportunity and you have to be very thoughtful about it and you have to do it right. And if you don't do it right, you end up with a venue that just can't fulfill the promise, um, not only from a revenue perspective and selling tickets and sponsorships, but creating a great fan experience in a place where people want to go. And so there's just a ton of interaction every day um, around all these, you know, um, you know, all the work that's being done on the ballpark. And so that's been a huge focus. And, you know, obviously getting up to speed on the business side, too, and, you know, transitioning with the earthquakes. I have a new COO there. So there's been a lot of interaction, a lot of work. Uh, but it's exciting. I think everyone is fired up for the new energy and, um, impetus around the ballpark in Oakland, and and so it's something that motivates us every day. We all know that uh, John Fisher took that tour of the Howard Terminal site. Have you taken a tour of that site? Have you been able to, to get on, you know, kind so of walk Monday, around there? Yeah, I haven't actually been on. I've been all around it, but, you know, you have to, like, get a special clearance mm-hmm. to go on it because it's an active port. So I'm going Monday, and I'm going to see it with some of our um, transportation guys and some folks with the city. So I'm going to get the full-scale tour um, of the location. Uh, there's several other sites in Oakland that I have spent a, a great deal of time on, been there in the day, been there in the evening, kind of seen the traffic patterns. Um, and you have to walk these locations. You have to get a sense and a feel for it and be able to kind of envision the way it would be if you actually had a ballpark there. And that's what we had to do with Avaya when we chose its location next to the airport. And at the time, it was a tank factory, so yep. it was like it was kind of hard to envision it. And I think from that experience, you know, we're trying to learn as much as we can about the site selection, so we get that right. And and once you do that, things can really start accelerating because you know once you have an actual site, 
then you know a lot of the things you don't need to do parallel processes of work and more energy can be focused on one place. And so that's something we're really motivated on. We think that's a really important um, you know, milestone to achieve, and we're working every day as fast as we can to get there. Well, let's spin that a, a via situation forward. Did you have three or four options and, and narrowed it down over you know over a year's time? How, how quickly did you, let's just say, compare it to this one? Uh, is it going to be a comparable situation where you can you can you say what happened to Avaya? The timetable is going to be very similar to what's happening, obviously, on a larger scale in Oakland. I actually think so, Tim, and I think um, I think there's some learnings about it. I think one thing we learned is, and this ended up being a problem at Avaya, is you need to make sure you really engage the community early in the process mm-hmm. and get all the relevant stakeholders in that location committed and understanding what you're trying to accomplish with the site and with Avaya. We did that to a degree, but we had like the Newhall Neighborhood Association that we probably could have engaged earlier. And in the end, they appealed the project to the city council and that delayed us. And so we're just trying to be ahead of the game on some of these things. And instead of just saying, okay, this is where we're going to go, feeling people out, making sure we understand what different neighborhoods want out of something like this and understanding how all the stakeholders will be affected. The earlier you can start doing that, we're doing that right now in, in all the potential sites, I think that is like a learning from the Avaya experience. And I think it means that you can kind of um, shorten the time of the approval process, the environmental process, and kind of de-risk the project and take out potentially the possibility of a lawsuit and opposition if you come in it into the situation together. And so... That's what we're trying to do right now, and I think you know we're having some success with that, and we're meeting with a lot of different people, and it's filling my day and the rest of my team's days, but it's really important. And, you know, the office hours play into that, mm-hmm. Tim. You know, you get a lot of feedback from people who live in and around the different areas or own businesses in and around the different possible areas where we could have a stadium downtown or here at the Coliseum, and understanding what's working now, what's not working now, how it could be improved, infrastructure, creating a ballpark village it's really important so basically is it literally going to be almost within a certain amount of time you will have x amount of proposals or or, or options and then you're just going to pick one and could you say what that that time frame might be generally it, you know it's hard to say right now because i think we're in this really big community outreach period Tim, and so i don't want to put a timeline on it because i think it's really important to spend enough time interacting with everyone and understanding all the stakeholders needs and even understanding like what type of design of the stadium people would prefer um, because all that stuff plays into the site selection and then i think that work that we're doing now will serve us well in terms of me like later in the process it shouldn't take quite as long because we have more um, partners and people standing shoulder to shoulder with us at an earlier stage and so that's the way we're kind of focused on it right now um, and as we continue to have those conversations and meet with people, there's going to be more public information. And yes, at some point we are going to pick a site and then we will get obviously take it to the next level, which is, you know, getting it entitled and getting the environmental going. And, and then you could really lay out for the entire community, Tim, this is the actual process and plan. This is the, you know, four milestones, you know, whether it's groundbreaking or opening day that we can point to. And then what we can do is just keep updating people on that progress. And I think that's really important. I saw that with Avaya. You create that kind of big timeline with the milestones, and then you manage to it, and you communicate to it in a way where you build trust with people because they see that you're actually knocking things off the list. 
and then you finally get to the point where you do a groundbreaking and you finally get to the point where you open it. And um, that's just obviously a super exciting day. Don't you practically have to at least wait a little while to see what's happening with the Raiders before you can make a clean call on the Coliseum? I mean, that's another, um, you know, stakeholder in the whole process. You know, we're, we're hopeful that they there's a solution here that, you know, they can stay here, we can stay here, you know, all in Oakland, um, because I think it's important for the community. Um, but, you know, we, we feel like our process, um, we're running with it regardless of what happens with the Raiders. And so I think that's important that we're not waiting on, on them in any real way. Um, but obviously, whether or not they're here or not there can affect certain sites and the timing. But that doesn't mean that we don't have other places. And so that's, I think, the important part of the process, that we have a plan, that we are moving forward, that we're kind of detached from that. We're supportive. But, you know, by the same token, we have our own path that we're on. All right. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. It's the 2016 Big Finish Event at South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Hurry in for great deals. Get $8,000 off the Challenger or Charger 392. $6,500 off on the Challenger Hellcat. $12,000 off the Grand Cherokee SRT. Take home a new Jeep Renegade Latitude for just $12,988. It's goodbye 2016. And hello savings at South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Gilroy. When all the new CBA uh, <clears throat> phases out the revenue sharing for the A's over several years, um, is this money that just co- has to come right out of payroll? I mean, I, I know you're, you're you're focusing on raising the amount of money you can get, you know, increasing the revenue and putting that in, back into the team. But as you look at it now, as you budget out, are those dollars just have to come right out of payroll? Well, I mean, I think the key thing is like we're 100% focused on more revenue generation Mm -hmm. and then using that revenue to reinvest either in the Coliseum experience to make it better than it's been, because I think that can happen, or giving more resources on the team side. And that could be anything from uh, payroll. It could be international signings. It could be, you know, more analysts. It could be a bigger baseball operations staff, infrastructure that can help us you know, build a team that can compete and win a world championship the first year of that new ballpark. And so, you know, that's really the goal. You know, it's it's kind of too early to say, you know, exactly how it affects every little number. You know, it's something that we're working on here. And we have a great baseball operations department led by Billy, who really understands, obviously, how to value players and bring in um, folks. And so, you know, we want to support him in every way and give him all the resources to be successful. When you have these conversations, obviously, with Billy and baseball operations, and he's been very positive, obviously, feels very good about the, the situation with the stadium moving into the future. What do you say? You want to win a World Series by X, and that's okay. We all understand it. You don't know what X is, but he's got to have to build the team towards this. What, what do you say X is to him? Well, I think the key thing, and I think you can look at different teams when they've opened buildings, is to build into the um, launch of the new building where you can have a good young team that fans are getting excited about and then when you open the stadium you kind of have a competitive team that's a playoff team that can compete for the world championship that's like really the ideal way to launch it and i know growing up in cleveland ohio that's exactly the way john hart and the indians did did it when they opened jacobs field in the early 90s and they subsequently sold out 455 consecutive games tim and so I think there's a blueprint there to, you know, have, have young players to build that over a period of time, to 
to engage the community and to then open a building and have a really competitive product because you have to. If you don't, even though it's a new building, um, people won't go. You know, you have to have a good product, you know, on the field, and that's a critical part of this. There's so much competition in the Bay Area. You could go to the beach. You could go to, you know, there's even another baseball team. You go to the Giants games, all these different things. And so you have to make sure that you're competitive in that way, and that creates the energy and excitement in the building that can have a fan experience that will rival any in sport. And so that's our goal, and it's something we're pushing towards every day. And we're just want, we need to make sure that you're disciplined enough to have that middle or medium-term view so you don't make a short-term decision to compromise that. Uh, obviously, this is probably privileged stuff, but when you say, Billy, we, we want a team that can compete by the time the stadium opens, so that's five years from now? You say, we need this in five, or do you tell Billy it's four? Do you tell Billy it's five plus two? Uh, wh- well, what's that number? Well, I think number? that, that, that kind of relates, Tim, to like laying out that timeline for the community mm-hmm. this coming year. And I think when that timeline gets laid out, when we know a little more about what the community is feeling on the different sites and the location that makes the most sense, then you can more properly kind of line those things up. And so it's hard to say exactly what that is now just because we don't exactly know the exact process that will exist to get the stadium open. And that's partially because we don't have the site. And so work needs to be done to lay that out. It's being done. We're working as quickly as we can. We have a great team. Um, And I think as that happens, we'll be able to communicate more to fans and the community about the timeline and that also helps us make decisions here internally. I'll ask you a timeline question about the timeline. <laughs> would you be happy or would you be less than happy, I should say, if this if you don't have a timeline laid out by this time next year, you know, one calendar year to give you a, the time to kind of look around at everything and say, "Okay, we're going to be pretty feeling pretty good about a site by this time next year." I think that's a very reasonable expectation in terms of where things will go. Um, there's always things, exogenous shocks that could occur that could change that. But I think based on where we are right now, that is a fair um, appraisal of the situation. Gives us enough time to understand where things are going, understand what the community wants, build partners who want to do this together. Because you can't really you know, transform a city with a ballpark alone. You know, you, it's a community effort, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that's a very reasonable um, kind of Timeline on the timeline, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that. I just came up with something yeah. new. Timeline on timeline. You got it. You got it going. <laughs> uh, one thing I've talked to Billy about a little bit uh, here and there is the responsibility of a team to try to, you know, retain popular players. I understand it isn't go doesn't always go hand in hand with success, but. You know, fans talk about, you know, buy somebody's jersey and knowing it's going to be there for, you know, that player's going to be there. Whether beyond that, just a, a connection players, teams, I'm sorry, fans feel with teams and players individually. Mm-hmm. Do you feel there's a responsibility at some point to have some enduring, you know, personalities that, that are on this team beyond the, you know, three or four years and then they're traded? You know, I think fans, and I know as a fan myself, you get connected to players their personalities, their characters. So I think that's, that is a huge part of sports. Um, but I also know that people want to win, and they want a winning team, and they want a team that they can believe in. And so I think there's a balance, and I think you need to make sure that you're weighing all the factors uh, when you make decisions. And I think at the end of the day, you need a bigger picture kind of vision of what is the timeline of achieving certain things, and when are we going to be in a new ballpark where we can be spending in the top half of the league in player payroll and bridging to that in an intelligent way. And I think if we 
articulate that to fans and tell them this is what we're doing and communicate that, I think, I'm, or I'm hopeful, that they'll understand that and they'll see what we're doing. And I think in the past it's been hard because we haven't had such a clear uh, communications plan with our fans, and so things have been kind of helter-skelter. And so we just want to do everything we can to be clear with people, to set expectations, um, while at the same time making sure that we're weighing all these factors like in a reasonable way. So. Once, once years ago, when I asked Billy in the mid, in the middle of a rebuild or whatever you want to call it, I said, "What will happen if you have to do this again?" And he said, "I won't be the general manager if this has to happen again." And it has happened since then two or three times. I <laughs> understand this. I get you know again. I I, I the, the dollars are there. It's it's the real world. But would you imagine you'd only have to maybe do one more rebuild before you get a stadium, or or this, or might there be multiple cycles still left? To, to go for this I, you know it's it's hard to say because you know you have you know baseball is you know baseball team of players and you know players you know sometimes perform at the, at the high end of their expectations or the low end and so you know their performance um dictates a lot of these things and so it's you know it's hard to say with certainty but you know obviously we want to have a competitive team and we want to do whatever we can to field that team and to create a nucleus of players and to move forward in a positive way and so you know we're hopeful that you know, we can make that happen um, as soon as possible. But by the same token, we want to make sure that we don't lose our discipline and lose sight of the fact that, hey, we really need a great team to open this new ballpark. I mean, that is really the North Star that we're heading towards. And I think that's a real positive thing for the community. And I think it's something you've seen work in other places. And, you know, it's kind of now our obligation and my obligation to lay out that timeline once we know a little more about the ballpark plan uh, that we're working on every day. Just within the the game experiences you've mentioned, uh, are there things you can discuss now that you're already thinking about doing in the Coliseum or on the broadcast? Uh, I would suggest like a, a your your own Amy G on the broadcast, which to me yeah. opens up the Giants broadcast so much. Are, are there things like that that are that are possibly in the works? Yeah, they are. I'm looking at everything, and I'm getting a lot of great ideas. I mean, one thing we're definitely going to have at the Coliseum this year is food trucks. Mm. I'm going to yeah. tell you right now. Hold on, I've, I've, I've heard the Avaya food trucks are tremendous, by the way. Yeah, we have 14 at Avaya, yeah. and it's like, you know, kind of a, one of the signature items. And, and Oakland has such a foodie culture and so many great food trucks here. And folks, great chefs, you know, trying all sorts of really creative things. Um, we want to celebrate that, and we want to have that as a unique part of the stadium. And so that's something we're putting in motion um, right away, and so that'll be something that fans can expect, and I think will be really fun. And and I got that probably half the people I met with in office hours talked about like the food service and the concessions, and it wasn't good enough. And we talked about food trucks, and everyone was excited. And so that's something we're going to do. That's a concrete thing. Um, you know, obviously there are other things as well in terms of just improving the fan experience and everything from adding more, um, you know, uh, kids changing tables in the in the bathrooms. Um, to improving the flow on the concourse to if there are certain seats that are broken or not working or whatever, you know, repairing that and just doing whatever we can. You know, a lot of these small things, they might seem super small, but they add up and they, they make the place feel um, way different. And it's, you know, it's not going to be brand new, but I think we could do a lot with what we have uh, to make it better for, for our fans and the community. Will the A's turn a profit this season? You know, we, we typically don't discuss, you know, our financial results. You know, I think at the end of the day, we're focused right now on making sure we make a lot of progress this year on the ballpark. 
um, and that we lay out a plan there. That's really, really important. That's the most important thing for our long-term success as an organization. And at the same time, we want to make sure that you know we we earn back the trust of our fans. And so those are the metrics that I'm watching, and I think those are the most important things, um, especially over the next 12 months. All right, David. Listen, uh, I, I know you've been you've addressed a lot of these questions a lot of times. I really appreciate you coming on the show to address some of mine, uh, and, and I hope it's a continue. I'm sure it'll be a continued conversation, uh, and we will have you on again. We'll discuss this uh, hopefully, and and there'll be a lot of progress. And and I already feel that there is progress just by you doing these things. So that that's appreciated at least by me, and I'm sure it is by my many A's people. And so I, what. Uh, Oh, oh, I'm sorry, my God, my producer, absolutely, with a huge save here. David Cavill, as I wrap up this show prematurely, what's your favorite restaurant? Well, my favorite restaurant is Calafia, which is in town and country in Palo Alto. Okay. Um, great neighborhood. Uh, your, Stan- your Stanford roots are showing there, David. Yes, they are. They are. And so that's, that's my favorite place. Love going there with my family. It's fantastic. Uh, what kind of food is it again? You know, it's kind of like... Um, modern uh california you know the chef there used to be at google and he just does an amazing job and it's just a fun kind of neighborhood place to go right across from the campus all right uh paul baca with a huge save there that i would have screwed that one up (laughs) my goodness i'm too too much in the bottom dollars here not getting to the heart of the show which is all about restaurants david again appreciate it i i need to listen to my producer more uh you can remind me that the next time we talk Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. All right, everybody. That's David Cavill on the TK Show. Thanks, everybody. the 2016 Big Finish Event at South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Hurry in for great deals. New Jeep Cherokee Sport just $16,888. 017 Pacifica 7 Passenger for only $21,777. Take the new Dodge Journey for $15,999. Wranglers, Promasters, and 017 Ram Trucks starting at $17,988 at South County Chrysler